We are in week two of our series called Unbelievable as we anticipate the Christmas celebration we're reflecting on and we're journeying together to try to wrap our minds around how God did what seems to be unbelievable. Now the God who created all the universe because of his deep and great lasting love stepped into the world that he created that we could be set free and have life. This is a wonderful question that we're, cel- that we're wrestling with through this whole series is why did Jesus have to be born? Why did God have to do it that way? Why not another way? And of course, it is the birth of Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas. And uh, I thought about over the last couple of weeks, the various ways that we celebrate Christmas. And I thought about one of the primary ways that you and I uh, tend to celebrate is whether we're giving to a family in need or we're giving to somebody that we love, uh, we often enjoy giving what? Gifts, presents to one another. And I thought about, you know, who are the hardest people in our life to give presents to? Right, you probably have that person, you have that name. Uh, Don't say it out loud, they might be sitting next to you. Uh, We have those people in our life that are really, really hard to get presents for. And I thought about, you know, who are the hardest people for me to give gifts to? It's that person that they don't have uh, any need or any want for anything that I can provide for them. Uh, Anything that they want to have, anything they need, they go and get it. Uh, There's absolutely no way that I can provide for them anything that's going to be something that they wouldn't get for themselves. And we all kind of have those people in our world. You have to get really, really creative with those folks. Or, or maybe they just, you know, give a really, you know, great performance when they open that present and how excited and, and blessed they are to get that. And we thank them for that. But I thought about in our world how dangerous and scary and harmful it is when despite what we believe in our mind, the way that we feel and the way that we live says to God, you don't have anything that I want or need that I can't provide for myself. Or maybe we believe that we have things that that God could give to us, but somewhere along the way, we believed in our heart that we're supposed to go get it for ourselves. We have to earn it, we have to deserve it, we have to make it happen for ourselves, rather than receiving the good gift that God has. And so what I hope that we can do together on this Sunday morning is that when we leave, we will be encouraged and we'll have something to hold on to, to not just know with our mind, but we'll know with our heart that God desires to give and he has something to give that we can't get for ourselves. And this brings us back to the question, Why did Jesus have to be born? What is it that he is bringing to us? Or the title of today's message says it this way. What is the necessity of the incarnation of Jesus taking on flesh? Well, we could say it this way, is that Jesus was born to be a sacrifice. He was born to be for us the sacrifice that you and I desperately needed. Now let's talk about this idea of sacrifice for just a second. Why do we need sacrifice? Well, the reason that we need sacrifice is because we have this big problem called sin. 
And one of the issues that we have in our culture, in our world today, is we don't like to call sin a sin. We say, well, I've got some issues, or I've got some struggles, or I've got some things that have happened. No, we have sin in our world, in our lives, in our hearts that needs to be dealt with. And God says that the way that we deal with sin is through sacrifice. In Genesis chapter 3, we read the fall of man and woman. We see sin come into the world. And what is the first thing that God does after he finds Adam and Eve? Remember, he clothes them with animal skins. The first sacrifice from God to us to cover our sin. We fast forward in that story as God is giving the law. If you were to read through Leviticus chapter 1 through 5, you're going to see how God lays out the various sacrifices that the people have to bring into the tabernacle day after day, week after week, year after year to deal with the problem of sin. But here's the thing about those sacrifices is that those sacrifices are always temporary and incomplete. This is the reason the people of Israel had to come and do it again and again and again and again. And once a year, they had the Day of Atonement where they would cover the sin of all the people. But guess what they had to do the next year? They had to do it all over again. Because those sacrifices were temporary and incomplete. And so God, looking at our condition, looking at the problem of sin, realized that something greater had to be done for that problem of sin, something that you and I could not accomplish on our own. So God came and did the unbelievable. So that's what we're going to look at today. You're going to need your Bibles. Uh, if you like to write in your Bible or underline, today's a good day for that. Hebrews chapter 9, and we're going to start in verse 11. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say, is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal Take note of this, redemption. I'll keep going. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. So he's looking back at those Levitical sacrifices that God instituted, but they're temporary and incomplete. Sanctifies them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, how much more will he cleanse us, take note of that word, our consciences from acts that are, lead to death so that we may serve the living God. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he's died as a ransom to, take note of this, set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. All right, let's take a look at this. If we can go back to verse 11, I want you to notice that the writer of Hebrews shows us two of the three entrances of Christ that he makes into our world for us. The third one not mentioned here is yet to come. It is the second coming of Christ when he comes to initiate his new kingdom, his new creation. But we see the first two here. Take a look. Verse 11. Christ came 
There's the first one. When he came, where did he come? As high priest of the good things that are now already here, he came to earth. This is the birth of Christ, that he came to do a new thing. He came to do what you and I couldn't do, to take on flesh for us. But there was a second part of this. He said he went, here's the second one, the second entrance, through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That's talking about the heavenly tabernacle where the presence of God resides. Two entrances here. First, Jesus came to earth as a baby to do what? To cleanse you and me. And then he went after his death and the resurrection to the heavenly tabernacle to cleanse the heavens for you and me. And then we know Christ is going to come again. That Jesus came to be a perfect sacrifice for us to do two things for us. We could say it this way. As that Jesus came for us and because of Jesus, I am forgiven and free from sin. Because of Jesus, I'm not only removed from the problem of sin, but I'm forgiven and I'm free from its hold on me. Did you notice those three parts of Hebrews chapter 9 that, that we highlighted? That Jesus came to redeem, to cleanse, and set us free. That Jesus came to redeem us, that he purchased us, that he bought us to bring us into relationship with God. That Jesus came to cleanse us, to clean us up from the mess and the hurt and the pain and the, the brokenness of sin. And then he came to set us free that it no longer has a hold on you and me. So here's what Jesus is doing for us. He's forgiving us. He's setting us free. He's moving us into the life that God has for us. And how does he do it? He does what only he can do. He does the unbelievable. Look at verse 12 again. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves. We can do that for ourselves. All right, we, we can come to church, we can go to Bible study, we can go on that mission trip, we can say, God, please forgive me, we can try to have good behavior, and it's never going to be enough. It's temporary and incomplete. So Jesus did what we couldn't do. He did the unbelievable, not by the means that we can bring, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. God did what only God could do. He did what you and I, by definition, cannot do. That is why, brothers and sisters, that Jesus calls us to come to him, not by behavior, but by faith. To trust in him to do for us what we cannot do. And this, this grace that God is inviting us into, it seems unbelievable. The, the one thing that is so difficult for us to grasp about the Christian life is to believe the truth of grace. Because nowhere else in the world do we really get grace. I mean, even with our best efforts, even in our closest relationships, you and I know that there are moments where we don't give grace to one another. In our best of efforts, sometimes even us, our love is conditional with one another, but not with God. He says, come to me, not based on what you do, but what I've done for you. And you and I have got to be willing to go all in in trusting him. The book of James tells us to not be double-minded. It's not one foot in the world and one foot in God, but it's jumping all in with trusting God to do the unbelievable. 
And, and what I want us to realize is this was always God's plan for you and me. It was always God's plan for the world, and it was always God's purpose for his son Jesus. I mean, this was why Jesus came into the world the way he did, 100% God and 100% man. I mean, this is a really important part of our, our theological foundation is that he was 100% man, meaning that everything he did in his life and in his death could apply to you and me as human beings. But he was 100% God, meaning that it was only him who could offer up a sacrifice that was holy and perfect, eternal, for a holy and perfect and eternal God. This is an amazing gift and miracle that God has done to us. It is unbelievable. And God is, in his love and his grace, he has laid out a path for us to be able to begin to see the truth of what he's doing. That in his birth, that we celebrate this Christmas, we can see the end at the beginning. And let me show you. How do we see the end, this perfect sacrifice in the birth of Jesus? Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, all right, clue in here, this is, this is really important. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. How many people want some good news for great joy today? Right? I mean, we need to turn off the news. We need to, to get our faces out of the social media a little bit and remember that we have some good news of great joy. It goes on. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Here we see the end at the beginning. Now, what, what am I talking about? Well, the angel said to the shepherds, Today is born to you a Savior who is the Messiah. That means the anointed one who was proclaimed and prophesied about in the Old Testament that he would come to set the people free, to initiate a new kingdom, a kingdom of God. And that Savior, that Messiah has been born where? In the city of David. Or as Micah prophesied in Bethlehem, that our Savior was born in a little town six miles south of Jerusalem in a place that was called the House of Bread. And this place, the House of Bread, was a place that David had allotted for shepherds, and not just any shepherds, but they were the priestly, the Levitical, the sacrificial shepherds who were raising not any lambs, but lambs that were born and raised to be sacrificed in a tabernacle and later the temple to deal with the problem of sin. And it says that this child who's born in the house of bread in the shepherd's fields will be born to you where? In a stable in a manger. And the significance here is that in these fields, in the shepherd's fields just south of Jerusalem in the house of bread, these sacrificial lambs, it wasn't just any birth, but it was to be a sacrificial and a holy and a cleansed and a perfect birth. 
And so our vision of an animal, uh, a stable packed with animals, with donkeys and cows and, and camels and all these things is probably not the case, but it was probably a place that had been cleansed and set apart. That means the word holy means to be set apart for the birth of these sacrificial lambs. And then it says, then you'll find him, what? Wrapped in cloths, swaddled. And cloths. Now, for you and me, what we, uh, if you're a parent, what you immediately think of is, is swaddling that baby so they won't scratch themselves and, and they'll sleep at night, which means you can sleep at night. But there was more to this on that night of this swaddling of these cloths. These strips of cloth uh, were, were significant to the shepherds. Because these were, again, Levitical priestly shepherds. And when that lamb was born and brought into that holy set-apart place, they would wrap those lambs in strips of cloth. They would swaddle them so that after their birth, they would not fall. They wouldn't bump up against something because then what would happen? They'd be blemished. And you'd be unable to bring it for sacrifice. And so they were swaddled. They were wrapped in these cloths to keep them pure and holy and clean. And then they were visited, as the angels told them to do, this child was visited by these shepherds who spent their lives sacrificing social interaction, sacrificing the ability to come into the temple because they were unclean based on the work that they did. They sacrificed so much of their life that they could bring an offering to God for the other people of their, their Israelite family. And this was the beginnings of the birth of Jesus and as I said, in the beginning, we see the ending. That we have a God who was born in the house of bread. And what does Jesus tell us in the Gospel of John? He said, I am the bread of life. And we have this child who is wrapped in those cloths that the shepherds would have come and they would have understood immediately the significance of this, that here is the perfect lamb of heaven that has been set apart and been wrapped for you and me to be the perfect offering that we couldn't bring. Born in a stable, a place that had been set apart. I love the way scripture, it, it weaves this story together in Micah, the prophet Micah reminds us that the Messiah will be born in the town of Bethlehem. And not just in the town of Bethlehem, but it says near the tower of the flock. And what was the tower of the flock? The tower of the flock was a, literally a watchtower that was near the shepherd's fields that someone could watch over the shepherds and the lamb to protect them from danger. And it was a place that was always attached to these shepherd's fields for these Levitical shepherds, for these sacrificial lambs that they could be brought for the offering. Wrapped in swaddling cloth, born in this special place. But then this God who was wrapped, don't miss this. I love this. We see the ending at the beginning. This God who was wrapped at his birth was wrapped at his death. As he was placed in the tomb. But what did our God do? He stood up. He exited the tomb. He took off the cloth. He is the resurrected king. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. And nothing could keep him in that place. Amen. He took on the cloth. He took off the cloth for you and me. And he is the good shepherd. 
who from his throne of heaven, he comes to guide and lead you and me. In the beginning, we see the ending. I love what Jesus said on the cross as he gave up his spirit. He said, it is finished. The writer of Hebrews in the text that we read, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 and 12, it says he died where and how and when. Once for all. It is finished. Everything that needs to be brought was brought one time for all of creation. And you and I, we've got to be willing to come and receive this gift of grace that God brings to us and stop trying to do what God already did once and for all. And many of us, we know it in our mind, but in our heart, we keep trying to bring sacrifices to God and we hope and we pray that it'll be enough and we're just piling the weight on our shoulders and it's time to take it off. That we can understand this truth that Jesus put on the cloths of sacrifice so that you and I can take them off. We don't have to be wrapped up in the weight of it because Jesus was and Jesus took it on not just once. He was wrapped in his birth. He was wrapped in his death and in victory he took it off so you and I can take it off. So here's what I want to encourage us with today. There's some things that we've got to take off as we receive this gift of grace. One thing that we've got to take off is we need to take off shame. It is time for us as believers as followers of Jesus, to take the weight of shame off. To realize that Jesus is enough, that it is done, it is finished once for all. And we don't have to believe the lies that the world or people around us tell us about who we are. We don't have to believe the lies that we tell ourselves based on things that have happened or what we've done or what was said or unsaid. But we can believe and rest in the truth of who God says we are. That God said, I love my creation so much that I sent my son to die, to redeem it, to, re- to cleanse it, and to set it free. And many of us, even though we, we believe that in our minds, we're arguing with God in our hearts. I, I'm not sure you got it, God. And, and we carry around this shame. Instead of believing the God who says, you are my son, you are my daughter. I've got to take off shame. We also need to take off the labels. We've got to take off those labels that, that we picked up somewhere along the way, that somebody's given to us or we put on ourselves. It says, you're not good enough. You'll never measure up. You know, much of the time we use the struggles of our lives whether they're emotional struggles or relationship struggles or mental struggles or just circumstantial, we take those struggles and we allow them to be an excuse for not moving into the life that God has called us to. And we put that label on us and we say, well, I'm not going to take another step forward because this is who I am. No, it's not. And many of us, I've heard it so many times come out of the, the mouths of believers. I've said it myself where we say, well, oh, I'm just a sinner. It's just who I am. It's going to struggle. No, you are redeemed and cleansed and set free by the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the King of kings. You are a child of God. We don't just settle. I'm a sinner. No, we move forward into the holy transformation and joy that God has for us. We take off the labels. And then please, brothers and sisters, we've got to take off fear. 
Listen, they're going to be hard, scary things that happen in life. As a matter of fact, what, what I'm coming to realize more and more and more as I follow Jesus year after year is that the more committed I am to Jesus, the more scary, hard things there are in life. And that's a fact. It's coming. But that does not mean that we have to live under the weight of the fear that comes in life. All too often we live as victims instead of living in the victory of Jesus. That we choose faith over fear. Even when it's hard to feel it, we step into it. That's why it's faith. If it were certain, it wouldn't be faith. But we step out trusting God in the unknown, in the unbelievable. We say, God, I'm going to put it all in with you. I've got to trust you. That you are the God today who was when you came in a little baby. You are the God today who rose from the tomb. You are the God today who will one day bring a new kingdom and all creation will bow and praise and celebrate and rejoice and proclaim. All of creation will proclaim, even those who have rejected God, they will have to submit and proclaim that Jesus is king. That God who will be there then is the God who is today. And so I will step out in faith and trust. Look, I don't have to be afraid of death because Jesus has resurrected the first fruits and I know that I have heaven waiting for me and death is not the end. I don't have to fear what other people think or say about me because I have a God who's over all who's going to sit on the throne. Guess what? All those people that we are so worried about are not going to be sitting on the throne. There's only going to be one on the throne. His name is Jesus. And he says, you are precious to him. I don't have to worry about what everybody else thinks or feels about me. I have an audience of one and I'll give my life to him. And listen, I don't have to be afraid of failure. Right? Like if I asked a show of hands of who is, faces the fear of failure day after day, I'd have to raise both hands and both feet. It's scary to, to wrestle with, what if I mess up? What if I'm not enough? What if I can't do what God's called me to do? What if I let my family down? Those are real fears, but I don't have to live under the weight of that fear. I can step through it. You know why? It's not because you're not gonna fail. It's because your failure is not the point. God has victory and that's the point. And it was never about you. It was never about me. It's about what God is gonna do. It's about what God has done. It's about his ability, not my inability. It's about him living in and through me, not me making an effort to bring a sacrifice because the sacrifice has already been given. All God calls us to is obedience. Not the outcome, just the obedience. And we don't have to live under the weight of that fear. So here's what I'm gonna ask of you today. I want you to think about why a sacrifice is necessary. A sacrifice is necessary because there's a boundary between us who are under the weight of sin and a perfect and holy God. When God gave the instructions for the tabernacle and the temple, there was a curtain in both that was hung to separate the people of God from the holiness of God. 
in which was the Ark of the Covenant and the presence of God through the Spirit. In that place, there was a boundary to separate us. And once a year, the people would bring an offering of atonement into that place. And an offering of blood was made to reunite the broken, sinful people of God with a holy, perfect God. And the sacrifice was intended to be a bridge to get rid of the boundary. Hebrews chapter 9, one more time, let's hear it. He says, once for all, not through the blood of a heifer or a goat or a lamb or any other animal, but by the blood of Jesus, the boundary between us and a holy and perfect God has been removed. So please, can we commit and encourage one another to stop putting up new boundaries between us and God when Jesus died to get rid of the boundary? Let me ask you, what is the boundary between you and God today? Is it shame? Are are we caught up in that shame cycle where we do something and then we feel the weight of that and then we say, well, that's who I am, not just what I did and, and I'm broken and so what's the point and I do it again and we get trapped? Is that the boundary? Can you let Jesus intercede and stop that cycle? Is it a label that somebody's put on you or have you taken on yourself? Is it fear? Please stop putting up boundaries where Jesus died to break them down and receive this gift of grace. So all I'm gonna ask you as you stand and and we're gonna sing one more song. You can go ahead and stand up. All I'm asking you for today is just to think about what is my next step to let God bring down the boundary between he and I once for all. Like if you're anything like me, it is so easy to come to these prayer rails and lay the weight down at God's throne and say, I'm done with it. And then I walk out of these doors and I picked it right back up. Now let's lay it down once for all for the rest of our lives. By the power of the Holy Spirit, let's receive that grace. What is your next step to bring down a boundary? And maybe one of those three, it might be shame, a label, or fear. It may be something else. But you have a God who made a sacrifice. That's the whole point of his birth. We saw the ending at the beginning. He came to break down the barrier. Would you let him do that for you today? So these prayer rails are open. You can come and pray. If you want me or Pastor Hunter to pray with you, just wave us over. Bring somebody with you if you want. Pray in your seat. Pray at home. God has a gift that you cannot get for yourself that he wants to give. Will you receive it? Let's pray. God, we love you and we praise you. We celebrate who you are. Oh, Lord, thank you for the gift of Jesus. God, thank you for the the hundreds of years of prophecy that told us who he was, who he would be, what he would do. Thank you that you did the unbelievable, that you became a sacrifice for us once for all. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that there be a breakthrough for somebody online, somebody in this room, somebody who's continuing to try to bring sacrifices to you instead of receiving that great sacrifice that you gave. God, please let us to lift off the weight of shame, of labels, of fear, of religion, of expectations, and enter into the holy of holies because of what you've done. God, help us to receive that with a grateful heart, with a believing heart. 
not just to agree with you, God, but to receive from you. So come, Holy Spirit, work in us, transform us, set us free, redeem us for life with you, life for you. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.